Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. So the whole thing of young people trying to live a life that is not even real by the people who are emanating that life or projecting that over social nets. Because you have a lot of people now bleaching their skin. Um, you even have males now bleaching their skin before you see females trying to write this complexion. Give you the same thing, critical race theory and wokeism. I've been having a hard time having people explain what is woke. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill. One. You got to have one a nope. token black person. A token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. God, we just say thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we pray for our health, our strength, our families, and God, you've brought us so far. When I look back over my own life, I sometimes I just wonder, God, how did you take this poor boy from the dirt roads of South Carolina and blessed him to see certain parts of the world, put him in leadership positions, and just the whole thing, God, you trust me with your very word. God, I just say thank you. Thank you for your son. Just thank you for all that you've done for me and my family and so many others. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up uh, our guest today, Drexel. And uh, Mr. Drexel, And uh, we just ask that you uh, bless him. He's going through some health issues and that you provide him uh, good doctors and good treatment and that his health improve. Lord, we lift up our families as we go about the week and deal with all the things that go on in families. And uh, Lord, just uh, thank you for all the things that are, you're getting me involved with the school board and my ending my Boy Scout stuff. Lord, uh, thank you and uh, look forward to uh, all the doors that you open and all the doors that you close. Amen. Father, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be here today. Thank you for using me and using um, Bill and Odell in a powerful way to impact and change lives. We'll continue to have this program be a blessing to many. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bill, you know, it's interesting. And Drexel, welcome to the show. Usually we talk about, you know, a little chit chat, but today's show, just want to talk about when leaders have their own challenges or Drexel, you know, and talk a little bit about you a little later on in the show to let the audience know your background, 
Bill, you understand it and I understand it. People look at us as leaders, especially community leaders, and they think you got it all going on. Like um, every day is sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, Drexel, you've written two books, Rise Up and Take Your Position. You did a short film, Rise Up, No One is Better Than You. And it's just one of those things with all your success, what people don't understand, though. If you could say to them, Drexel, what don't people understand when they look at you and you're all about success? People come to you to solve their problems. They come to you for advice. They come to you. Hopefully they don't come and try to borrow too much money from you. But what does people need to know about the cost of leadership, sir? Wow, that's a very good question. I think what people need to know that it's it's not something that that happens overnight. It's a lot of uh, sacrifices. It's also a lot of stuff that's hidden because you don't really show everything that you're going through. You, you're showing a very good face to the public. But behind closed doors, you are going through so much stress, you're going through so much suffering, and they only seen the end product. They don't know what it is that it will take to get where you are now. It's a lot of work. But of course, I mean, the end is, is rewarding, but it's all that glitters is not gold. And that's basically what I would say. Well, but you're an entrepreneur, you know, a little background. You, you live in Turk and Caicos, the islands that everyone said, this is great, you know, very successful kind of you know, build yourself out from the bootstraps. You own property on the beach. I think, what is it, Grace Bay Beach? All the things people as a tourist, we would look and say, wow, this guy's got it going on, Bill. Bill, this guy's going on. We flew over to London and then we spent a week with our wives over in Paris. And, you know, we may even talked about going over to Turks and Caicos Island. And here he is living there, living the Living the high life, Drexel, you're living the high life. Bill, what do you think? You're a leader. How do people understand or don't understand the price that leadership cost? Yeah, it's amazing. You, even something as simple as uh, being a volunteer for a Boy Scout troop, you get static from people, coaches for Little League, and then you move up the feeding chain, the higher up you go, the more, more stuff you get thrown at you and uh, scrutinized. And people are looking at if you to make a mistake, and certainly they seem to get some joy out of pointing out your mistakes, which, you know, quite frankly, doesn't bother me at all because <laughs> I've been making mistakes, so many mistakes in my whole life. I, I look forward <laughs> to people correcting me. <laughs> in fact, I can tell you how you can find out if I actually wrote something. There's grammatical errors in it and misspellings. Ah, uh, how about that? <laughs> you know, thanks, but Drex, a question for you. Tell us a little bit about your home. Tell us about your home because we hear Turks and Caicos and and all these great things. But for some of our listeners, they might not even know where the Coral Islands are. Tell us about the islands because a lot of times I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina is a place where people come from all over the world. And I tell people all the time, I'm from Charleston, say, oh, my God, Charleston is so gorgeous and so lovely and it's so beautiful. I call it the antebellum Disney world in my mind, because that's a whole nother issue. But usually when they're great wealth, it's also great poverty because someone has to go in and change the bed. Someone have to care for the rich tourists. Someone has to do all that. And people don't see the poverty because they're looking at your beaches and they're looking at your beautiful turquoise water. Tell us about your home country, your homeland and, and how beautiful it is, but also everything like you stated earlier, that glitter is not gold, sir. 
Okay, so basically we are um, located like 575 miles. We depend primarily on, on tourism. In fact, that's our main industry. So we have, you know, the best beaches in the world, if, at least that's what TripAdvisor and, <laughs> and other booking engines came back and say that we have the best beaches. And so people come here. The nightlife is very quiet. It's not much to do. But that's why people come here, because of the, the isolation. And um, we have like 40 islands, but only eight are inhabited. And of course, we have a lot of, we don't have much, our population is very small, probably like 40,000 people. But we are outnumbered right now, and not many of us here, because some of us migrated. And because the island is developing so rapidly, we had to bring people in. And so we now have more outsiders than we have locals. And so other than that, I, I think it's, an, it's a nice place if you want to retire and just relax and be in a quiet environment and come to the best beaches, then Turks and Caicos is the place for you to be. Of course, it's very expensive, but... <laughs> Well, you said the locals. It's interesting. In South Carolina, we call it Binya Kamya Binya. That's a oh. term for those who were already here. There's the Binya. The Kamya oh. are people who come and relocate to Charleston. Well, it's kind right. of the island area. So I remember seeing an article you wrote about, you said, Dear United Nations, please leave us alone. And it says, we cannot help Haiti, but you can. That sounds kind of rough, but at the same time, I can understand it. Explain that to me. Let, let's drill down in that because you, you mentioned the locals versus people coming to help. What's the pros and the cons to all that? Well, for some of the cons is that, you know, our culture is now being eliminated because we have more people here now, particularly from Haiti. And so when people come, they bring their culture with you. And we also, it's a national security threat for us because we are numbered. And we see what's happening in Haiti. They may come here doing the same thing. And so it's a threat to us. And, and so because we're so close to Haiti, like 45 minutes by plane, they come by boat. And so some people are illegal. I really feel for them. The United Nations wants us and the rest of the Caribbean. If the Haitians come, they want us to be easy on them and don't stand them back because of the situation in Haiti. And I disagree with them. I believe that we should help people, but not those who are illegal. If they want to come here, then they should be illegally, not illegally. Well, we know a little bit about that in our country. I'm getting ready to hand it over to Bill. But let me ask a question. I've never went before, but many of my family members and people I know says, hey, Odell, I'm going to DR, Dominican Republic. It's great over there. And I always thought that, excuse my ignorance, that it's one island. One side of the island is Haiti. The other side is Dominican Republic. Help explain that to old country boy from South Carolina who don't understand the difference. So you have this one place. It used to call Hispaniola, and part of it is Dominican Republic, which was invaded by Spain. And then the other side is Haiti, which was invaded by France. So even those one landmass, they're, they're two separate countries. It's just like United States have all these different states, 50 states. Yes. So even those United States, but these are two separate countries. You could think of two states being um, two countries. That's yeah, like, like Haiti and the like, Dominican Republic. Like Germany and France. Yeah. And then the economies are so different. The economy of Haiti is, is really, I mean, poor compared to the economy of, of the Dominican Republic. You were talking, you broke up before. You said you're 575 miles from Haiti. Is that what you were saying? From Florida. We only like 40. We, oh, oh, we, we were less than 100 miles from Haiti. 100 miles from Haiti. So that yeah. that's, that could be a boat ride. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, 575 miles. That's not very long, even. Yeah, 575 is Florida. Florida, yeah. I've never been to Turks and Caicos. I've been to Antigua. Uh, I've been to Jamaica. been to Dominican Republic. I've been to Haiti for business. And Venezuela, of course. Well, how, how did you see Haiti's bill as a white guy, a rich white guy going there on business? What were you doing in Haiti? Uh, I was working for Cheeseboro Ponds Unilever. We made Ponds cold cream and Vaseline over there. So we did a joint venture with some people in Haiti and some people in Dominican Republic. And um, you got some the Turks and Caicos then. Save the best for last. Yes, that's <laughs> it. I agree. I agree. But you're you're right about your beaches. Your beaches are spectacular. Yeah, uh, you know, you're talking. You have forty thousand people. Probably not too many natives left, right? Not many. Maybe less than ten thousand. You know, the schools, the school board I'm in charge of has seventy thousand students. Oh, <laughs> it's the school board. But you know, it's interesting though, Bill and Drexel. The fight is there a fight, and I use that term loosely for your culture. When you yes. know, because in America we are fighting culture wars now. Tell us about a fight for the culture where you are, and as a leader, what role do you play in that? There's fighting going on. We have so many, we have so many nationalities in the country, and so sometimes we feel like, even though we're locals, we feel like an outsider. And so this, and because the more people that are here, the more they bring their culture, and so there's a lot of division going on. However, me as a leader, owning my own business. I mean, as much as I love, you know, Turks and Caicos, I cannot be biased. I, I have to you know, embrace everybody. Even being a child of God, I have to embrace everybody. Of course, Turks and Caicos is always my priority, but I will not discriminate against someone because of who they are and where they're from. I have to respect everybody. And that's what I try to do as a leader, because I do not know where, where my kids will go in the future. I don't know the future, and I believe in planting a good seed. And so I must do my best to bring about peace among our brothers and sisters in the country. Wow. Mm. Wow. Because you said mm. possibly not a civil war and we don't want to overemphasize or be dramatic. But one of the things, Bill, that Drexel did, he came up with a book. He wrote a book. He's an author. Rise up and take your position. That sounds like a motivational book for individuals. What prompted you to write that book? Okay, so it is a motivational book. Okay, so I used to suffer a lot from inferiority complex, and I used to think I was very... Nah, not you. Not yeah, you. You're the man. You are yeah. the man. No, I used to and suffer. he's good looking, to... too. Well, well wait a minute. Yeah, now. Wait a minute, Jack. So we can only have one good looking black guy on the show now. So, you know, wait a minute now. Go ahead. I'm messing with you. <laughs> I thought that I was insignificant. And um, so I grew up most of my life thinking I was nobody. And then after I, I realized who I am and I discovered my purpose, I decided to write a book so I could help others because I believe other people are going through the same thing. Because, you know, even among the black race, you know, if you're dark skin, you're light skin, there's, there's, you're treated differently. And so I wanted a book to encourage people to get up from where they are and to pursue their talent and don't waste their time comparing themselves to other people and to be themselves and to be the best they can be. And that's what the book was about. That's a great book. How long has it been out and how can people get it? It was published in um, September 2021. Mm -hmm. So it's on Amazon. It's for it's uh, it's the a Kindle cool. version is $9.99. The printed version is $19.99. Very good. And is it on Audible or no? No, not yet. Okay. So it's Kindle and hard copy. 
Yes. So you wrote this during COVID. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So how was COVID down there in Turks and Caicos? COVID impacted us tremendously. Because you had no tourism, right? Yeah. We, you know, we had to shut the country down. So nobody was coming. People's jobs were in jeopardy. But we maintained our sanity. Thank God. I think we only had like two or three deaths. We didn't have many people with the virus. And we was able to contain it due to the government's position and also the people following the, the government's position to stay indoors, wear a mask and stuff like that. But we, we've been good. good. So now we're, now we're doing better than what we were prior to COVID. Now, has tourism come back? Oh, yes. It's better than what it was before COVID. Yeah. I think there's a pent-up demand. Uh, yeah. I have a friend that lives in Antigua, and he, he runs a big commissary for resorts, the food for resorts, and also a big restaurant in Antigua, not restaurant, a grocery store in Antigua, huge grocery store. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. He probably supplies uh, to stuff in Turks and Caicos as well. But he basically said everything shut down and they did the same thing. that you Literally literally shut down. Yeah. And they just all had to hunker down until this was over. We went there right, I think, in the fall of 21. And uh, we flew in, obviously, mass. And if you didn't have your vaccine certificate, they would take you and offer you two options. One option was turn around, get on a plane and get out of here. And you're going to be sitting in quarantine till the next flight. And the second option is spend two weeks in a military camp on the island wow. in isolation. Well, some of these people were coming down for a week or 10 day vacation. They're going to be stuck in a military camp. Yeah, And uh, you could tell the people didn't have the right documentation because they were not happy. And the, the government was pretty good. In fact, one of the interesting things, they made you wear your mask while you drove in the car. And if oh. they caught you not wearing your mask, you would get a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, we had similar stuff. No, actually, actually no one's able to enter the country unless they was vaccinated and show proof they were vaccinated. Yeah. So, so they had to show proof before they even allowed to enter. Yeah. So the airline had to make sure that was done. Well, so when you look at America and the arguments we have over mask or no mask, that was a whole different deal. But I want to ask you something that's very important. One of the big things, Bill, that Drexel focuses on is financial literacy. Now, I have a saying that money is a tool, T-O-O-L, not a toy, T-O-Y. Drexel, why (laughs) is financial literacy so important to you and so important to your people? Because Bill, and, and then after that, I want Bill to talk about what he does as far as CFOs. Because, Rex, I think you're a certified public accounting, you manager yeah. businesses and all that. But why is money, uh, financial literacy, excuse me, not money, financial literacy so important? I think it's very important because um, without financial literacy, you could destroy your life. You, you could destroy your relationship with your, with especially your marriage. Kids could destroy the future if, you know, the money that they have and they just spend it widely without any um, management of the funds. Husbands and wives, marriages are destroyed because of one of the, that's one of the top reasons why divorces take place. And so it's important for us to educate the public about financial literacy because money, the Bible says money answered all things. And, and of course, they the love of money is really all evil. And so it's important that People know how to manage their funds. They be good stewards of the of the, of their funds, so they do not end up getting in trouble. Many of us are living above our means. We are spending money that we don't have by using credit cards, and so it's important for us to teach people 
to be content what they have and stop comparing yourself with other people. And so financial literacy is a tool to, to help people from making mistakes that will impact the rest of their lives. But Facebook is all about comparing yourself to other people. I call it face lie, meaning that everyone <laughs> has a fabulous like lifestyle on Facebook. You see the best of them. Oh, Odell's traveling Europe and Odell is doing this. Odell lost a pound or two. So now Odell's in Speedos. I mean, you know, come <laughs> on, Bill. So the whole thing of young people trying to live a life that is not even real by the people who are emanating that life or projecting that over social nets. So, Bill, you go and help companies who get in trouble. Can you explain a little bit to Drexel what you do? Because Drexel then can explain to us in the audience all the great things that his companies do, including owning property. Bill? Yeah. This company's called Focus CFO. You can Google it. It's FocusCFO.com. Okay. And uh, it's a fractional CFO. So what we do is we find uh, CFOs that have maybe done 25, 30 years in a big company or a company and have all that experience and have retired. But they don't want to sit around and play golf or go fishing. They you know, want to keep busy. So they might want to work one day a week or one day a month. And so we find out what they want to do. And then we find small to medium-sized companies that need financial assistance, cash flow analysis, uh, P&L analysis, things like that. And uh, we bring in these CFOs and we charge a fee, of course. And uh, they help these small and medium-sized entrepreneurs basically get their financials right. Because many times entrepreneurs are really good at things, but many times they're not good at the finances. So you kind of think of us as the entrepreneur as the driver in the car. And Mm -hmm. we're in the passenger seat with the roadmap telling them, turn right, turn left, slow down, go fast, you know. So we'll look at, you know, profitability per item, SKU, they call it, stock keeping unit, an item. Or we may look at if they're going to lease trucks versus buy trucks, you know, what makes most sense for them. Then we also help them with an exit strategy because many entrepreneurs build the business up, but they don't have, they haven't brought anybody along to take it over. So we can help polish the apple so they can get their, their value out of it, all this sweat equity they put in when they're yeah. ready to step away. And uh, so we help them with that. Okay. So Drex, very good. tell us a little bit about your companies. I have more than one company. So the first, my main company is my accounting firm. So we, we do reviews, you know, we go into people's financial statements, do analytic reviews, question them and stuff like that. We also do audits. It's not a main requirement in Turks and Caicos. Only banks and trust companies are required to have audits. And we also do compilation, which is basically people providing you with their bank statements and their checkbooks and voices, and you you put the financials together. We also do outsourcing. For example, some people cannot afford a full-time CFO. They cannot afford a, an accounting firm. So we will have one of our employees you know, work part-time, helping them on a you know, month-to-month basis. And we also incorporate companies. If you need to establish a company, Turks and Caicos, we'll incorporate the company for you. And if you need to get a business license, we'll get the business license for you as well. Mm. And then I also do property management. Basically, um, in Turks and Caicos, majority of people, most of the hotels, condos, they're owned by individuals. Oh, so wow. they put in, Yeah, they put into a pool and then they have someone manage it for them. So that's what I do. 
we put all the stuff in Expedia or VRBO or, or um, Booking.com and we get all the requests coming in. We'll meet the guests at the resort, look after them while they're here and pay the bills on behalf of the owners. That's my two main companies that I do. Then my wife and I, we have an office supply store and then we just open up a, a home goods store as well. So that's, that's our businesses. You know, it's interesting you would say that. And as we move to the last subject, what you just stated, and then I'm going to read something and going to dive into it. It says, Drexwell also produced a short film called Rise Up. No one is better than you. It is about how Drexel suffered from inferiority complex most of his life because of his dark complexion. Finally, he was able to overcome it. And now Drexel is using his platform to inspire, influence, and encourage others. Now, the whole dark skin, light skin thing for black people, Bill may or may not be familiar with it. But growing up in the South and South Carolina, where many of my ancestors were enslaved, we understood that. Now, I don't know if it's the same type of scenario that you have in your country that we have here, where dark-skinned people were less valued, and the lighter you were, the more, and it's like, where did we get that from as a people? And what kind of hair, your hair texture, And I always argue with people when they say good hair, bad hair, or a black, darker person is less desirable than an African-American who looks like Bill or something like that. I've always argued those points because I'm saying, where did we get that from as our ancestors other than our slave masters or the white folk who would put a emphasis on whiteness? Is whiteness more attractive? Is whiteness worth more than a black skin? Where did that come from? And I argue that point. When I say argue, I mean I debate that point for most of my life, and I still debate that point. And for you to make this statement, that's a powerful statement, my brother. That's a powerful statement because someone somewhere told you or showed you that your darkness was not as valuable or less valuable to something else. Do you mind helping me understand where did the inferiority complex come from? Because that's not something we're born with. We're born with the ability that we can do anything if people encourage us. You know, it comes from our society. I mean, I wish I knew where it came from, but I know growing up, we preferred light-skinned people. And so if you are dark-skinned, you will not prefer it. And when being very dark, you would treat it differently. By white people? By white people? By dark people? By our own race, because in Turks and Caicos, only now we have white people, but in Turks and Caicos, it was just black people growing up. Black people discriminating against black people for being black. Yes. Because, you know, and I don't know why it still exists, because you have a lot of people now bleaching their skin, um, you even have males now bleaching their skin before. You see females trying to lighten their complexion. Now, you see males are not doing the same thing. So, obviously, they're not happy how they look. Or they, they don't like being called dark. And so, they are enlightening their skin. And it's a big issue. And, and I'm glad I overcame it because I might have been bleaching my skin if I didn't. Wow. And, and, and so, it could affect you for the rest of your life if you don't overcome something. Well, you know, it's interesting you would say that, but you also said that having resources of money 
is a, in your country, in your culture, a dark skin person like me, if I'm wealthy, does that move my status up? Or yeah. if it's a situation where if I'm light skin and wealthy or light skin and poor, I still have a certain social status within the structure. Bill sitting there saying, what in the heck are you all talking about? Well, go I, I, ahead. I was wondering if I was too white. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> if you have money, if you have money and assets, like a vehicle or a house, it makes a difference. Wow. No, it's interesting as I was just listening to you to talk about that. I think there's something in everyone that has uh, makes us feel insecure and uh, makes us feel that we want to desire something else. And something that stuck with me, Dexel, was when you said uh, being satisfied with what you have as opposed to what you want. And we've been told to set goals and go after them. And uh, what's happened is the credit card companies have tapped into that and said, yeah, we can help you get there. Just borrow money at 25% from us and we'll get you there. You'll get that new shiny thing that you want. That's wonderful. You get the satisfaction until the credit card bill comes in and you go, how am I going to pay this? So I think part of it is being satisfied with what God has given you. Yes. As opposed to, and we all want things. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'd like to have more hair. In maybe a little less weight. <laughs> well, well, you're absolutely you're right, Bill. But Bill, one of the things that, and I want to kind of go back, and then I know I'm going to ask Drex about his book, but the color thing, Bill, you hang around with the good-looking black guy, Drexel. That's me. Just just in case you didn't know, that's me. <laughs> Bill, do your white friends? See what I got to put up with yeah, Drexel. Do your white friends ever say anything about why you hang around with all those black guys sometime or not really? You don't get that anymore. Oh yeah, I, I I do. There's criticism on certain individuals because they're high profile, like yourself, and usually it's set up in hearsay. And when you say, "Okay, give me a fact," oh, what you're saying, they can't. I just know that that person is a crook or that person is this or that per I said, okay, I accept that, you know, give me a fact and I'll go ahead and look at it. So give you the same thing, critical race theory and wokeism. I've been having a hard time having people explain what is woke. And so my wife looked it up and it was a black term started years ago when um, folks that black folks felt that you really understood them and understood what they were going through redlining or whatever it was. And now you are woke. That means you're aware of it. It was the way they talked. Well, now it's being used. I got a Facebook post. This guy was complaining about woke. And I said, can you explain woke to me? And he's the only guy that came back and gave me kind of a concrete example. He said what Target did with their LBGQ clothing. Mm-hmm. They had a section. And what Bud Light did with the transgender person on a can of beer. What he was implying is... But they're putting it in our face. We got to accept it. We got to accept it. Well, you know, if you go into Target, they had clothing designers and designers that designed items like Mm -hmm. Martha Stewart used to have a line. Okay. But they have some people that are designers. No one ever went in and said, hey, that person's bad because they're gay or they're homosexual or they're, you know, whatever it is. But as soon as you put it out there, like these are clothes with the rainbow flag color and all that stuff, they get all jumped over it because they feel we're forcing them to do it. No, you know, we're forcing you to do anything. 
don't have to buy that stuff. You walk away from it. So what I think they're saying is I'm offended by it, that it's that in my face. You know, today on TV, 20 years ago, you had never seen this, but today on TV, you can see with some of these drugs that they're showing for anti-HIV, two men kissing, two men holding hands, two women kissing. We never saw that before. Never. So is that wokeism? You know, do I find it difficult to watch? Yeah, I do. I do. But does it change my lifestyle? Does it change me? No. No, not at all. And I thank you for your honesty. And one of the things, too, is that the narrative that's being told, and that's why I love Rise Up, No One is Better Than You, the short film, because if the narrative says, Odell, you're black and Bill's white, so Bill's more intelligent than you, Bill has a right of superiority over you, Bill is this and that, and if a white person comes, Odell, you need to back up and you shouldn't even expect to be treated the same, then that's a narrative. That's a false narrative. So, you know, Drexel, from your perspective, and again, before I forget, what's the name of your latest book? Okay, so my book I just published last month is called, you know, Succeeding in Your Position. So basically it's a sequel to the first one. Hopefully people have risen to their position. And now that they have arrived, they now need to succeed. So that's that's what the, the second book is to encourage them now to succeed in their position. Well, how about when the obstacles are there? How about when the obstacles are there, not just because they're darker or not because they're black or they're poor or whatever, because one thing I've learned by hanging around white folks, for lack of a better term, is that many of them didn't grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth either. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's almost like, wait a minute, Odell. Now, no one didn't give me anything. You know, I'm out here working hard just like you. So help us as we move toward closing direction. Help us take us from rise up and take your position to the jumping off a point of succeeding in your position when many of these young people who you mentor may not even believe. I remember the article, the interview you had with the young man who went to Harvard and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, he just said, hey, I just uh, applied to Harvard because my mama told me to. Well, why not? And he got in mm-hmm. and it's like I, I couldn't and I don't want to put words in his mouth. As I'm, I couldn't really believe I got in, but I got in and I was able to compete. I was able to compete. Mm-hmm. I know it's the great Harvard, the best university in the world, the universe, blase, blase. But at the end of the day, he's like, I was able to go there and compete with the best. And guess what? I was worthy. Yes. I was able to compete. Yes. Well, I believe that people have to first recognize that I know they probably tired of hearing this thing with purpose, but they have to recognize that everybody has a purpose, that nobody is a mistake. And that as long as they are, are alive, they will have obstacles in their way but they must use those obstacles as you know stepping stones or use it as something that propel them to get to their destination and i think that's what we need to focus on you're not going to get everything in right away the way you want it to happen you're going to you're going to have obstacles in your way but remember that they are there to help you to get to where you're supposed to be and that's what we need to recognize don't look at it as a turnoff look at it as an opportunity and that's what we need to encourage people to, to, to do. Wow. Well, listen, we're, at, we're about to end our show. So you, as the guest, 
How do you, we usually always ask our guests, how do you find common ground with those who may disagree with you? Or how do you find common ground? I always try to put myself in in other people's position. And and sometimes I'm very conscious of of what I say and what I write because I don't want to come off as if I know everything. And so I always put myself in other people's position and try to understand the perspective from which they're coming. And then that's how I build common ground because you you may not see their point of view because you're so caught up thinking that your point of view is correct. But if you now try to sit back, listen to what they have to say, and I believe you can find common ground. Hey, well said. I'm going to end, Bill, with this last saying. Director said, some of us love our political party more than we love our brothers and sisters who are on the other side. Some of us put love for our country over love for people from other countries. Some of us just love people of one race. As an example of Christ, we must also love our enemies. We don't need to be revengeful and hold malice in our hearts to your enemies. Maybe if you show love, they will no longer be your enemies. With that, Drexel, my man, my new friend, we say thank you for coming on to the Common Ground Show. And we'll be reaching back out to you, sir. Thank you. Well, I appreciate, I mean, it was a wonderful conversation. I feel like I've known you guys for a while, but I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Well, thank you. And then, and uh, when we have our first podcast in Turks and Caicos, you will be our first guest. <laughs> Sound like a plan. Thanks. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be reaching back out to you, my friend. And next time in your travels, come to Turks and Caicos. Hey, you can't say that to us because we'll be on a plane in a, in a year from now, sitting on your beach. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bill, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the best bed sheets ever. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Odell, you know, Mike's making a special offer on these Giza sheets to our listeners. You can get this set of Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. You know, the first night I slept on these sheets, man, I'll never sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for our listeners. Yes. They can get the sheets, the Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. Yeah, that's right. Our listeners are the only ones that can get that. And the way they do that is they can get it a number of ways. One is you can call 1-800-238-7281. That's 800-238-7281. And use the promo code COMMON. Or you can go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code COMMON. That number again is 1-800-238-7281. And remember, use the promo code COMMON, C-O-M-M-O-N. Thank you so much for your support. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, 
music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events, Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.